2: Here are your hosts, Headmaster Rebecca Hagstrom and co-host Mark Durkin.
1: Well, good evening and thank you for joining us here on Education Nation. I am Headmaster and host Rebecca Hagstrom, and it's a privilege to join you every Saturday evening here on AM 1280 The Patriot. And, of course, I'm joined in studio once again by our producer, our excellent producer of Education Nation, and my co-host, Mark Durkin. Awfully
0: kind of you, Rebecca. Good to see you. How are you tonight?
1: I am very good. How about yourself?
0: Doing well. Trying to enjoy these off day, good day. You, know, you just know, know. No, if it's going to be too cold, rainy snow. Just got to get out and enjoy it so when you can.
1: unbelievable. We had a beautiful wedding to go to last weekend. Wonderful. And it was so sad because it was snowing uh-huh. it was not, well, snowflakes, but it was freezing. And this poor couple thought they were going to have some beautiful weather and it was oh. freezing cold. And now it's beautiful. See,
0: it's all subjective because yeah. if that temperature were that way in March, we'd all be in shorts, right? Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are so excited um, for the next couple of shows that we have for our listeners and we can all agree that our kids schools should be safe places where all students can get a quality education throughout the decade the saint paul school district has sought to close the discipline gap between white and minority students however the district's chosen initiative for racial equity has produced disastrous results student behaviors have only worsened, negatively affecting learning and putting the physical safety of district teachers at peril.
0: That is, that is correct. In fact, the initiative, which was implemented in the St. Paul School District back in 2011, it sought to greatly reduce the suspension rate for black students, which are far more likely to be suspended than white students. Now, equity proponents claim that uh, teachers' racial biases are the primary cause of the discipline gap. Well, former St. Paul District Superintendent Valerius Silva states that defiance, disrespect, and disruption are subjective student behaviors which teachers perceive and punish in discriminatory ways.
1: <laughs> we are starting to hear the song and dance in more than one place. Yes we are. <laughs> um, is student behavior or as student behaviors worsened, several teachers took their concerns to the St. Paul School Board. One of those teachers is Aaron Benner. Benner, an African-American teacher, went to the board several times, spoke out against the school district's racial equity policy that he says was not holding African-American students accountable for behavior issues, as opposed to other student groups, and that policy was causing African-American students to act out more. Mr. Benner joins us in studio tonight to discuss the high price he has paid in speaking out, which has included assault, retaliation, and loss of income. Aaron, thank you so much for joining us tonight on Education Nation.
2: Thank you for allowing me to be here tonight. Yes.
1: Yeah, you have been through a lot, and we are so grateful for your, for your consistency and your willingness to persevere. Thank you. Well, having served as a public school teacher for several decades, you were teaching in the St. Paul Public Schools in 2011 when then-Superintendent Valeria Silva launched her Strong Schools, Strong Communities initiative. Which, of course, sounds great on the outside, right? Mm -hmm. So all the public thinks this is fabulous. Well, one of the goals of the plan was to eliminate racial disparities, which is also a good idea. Um, But part of that plan was the retaining of the diversity consultant called the Pacific Educational Group. We won't spend much time talking about this group, but can you please share with our listeners what this group's chief objectives were and what their prescription for closing the achievement gap at the time it was implemented in the Strong Schools Initiative was?
2: Yes. Now, what is interesting is that in 2011, when I first addressed the school board, I have never heard of Pacific Educational Group. Hmm. Never once as a teacher was I told that we as teachers were trying to close uh, a suspension gap. Of anything, Um, So I wasn't fully aware until 2013. So I'm going to go back to 2011. And in 2011, I'm teaching, I believe, sixth grade. And every recess for the past 17 years, I would skip Mm -hmm. my lunch or eat my lunch quickly and go outside and play football with my students. Mm -hmm. I was always the all-time quarterback. And it kept me young. It kept me fit. But my students loved it. Yeah. And uh, we had no behavioral concerns whatsoever after recess. Uh, what people don't realize is that what I complained about wasn't was wasn't what was happening in my classroom. It was what my students were uh, seeing. So in 2011, we had to clear our room several times from other students that would walk into our classroom and disrupt it. Hmm. Hmm. So I know Lester Holt on NBC not too long ago did a, a feature on how teachers are clearing their room for uh, students who are traumatized. Right. Okay. I'm like, I was doing that almost eight years ago. Right. Mm-hmm. My students were so upset. Like, why are we have, why do we have to clear our room for other students walking into our classroom? So, like other good teachers, I want to lock my door. I was told by admin we can't lock the doors because you're treating your students like criminals. Uh-huh. I'm like, okay, <laughs> I catch 22. Right. So in 2011, it was almost like a switch went off. I was seeing violent behavior in Benjam- at Benjamin E. Mays Elementary School. And the principal who I worked for who was very competent and very good, he was African-American, and I loved him. But one day... A student assaulted me, punched me on th- at recess. Mm. Mm. I brought the student to the principal, and he returned him to my classroom within ten minutes.
1: Unbelievable! And, and what the, year was that again? That year, t- 2011, 2011, so 2011. 2011. 2011. Before you knew about the Pacific Education exactly, Group, exactly. Okay. Before
2: I knew okay. anything about racial equity, Pacific Educational Group. So I went to the school board, and I even told my principal, I said, "With you returning that student to my class, I said you are not, you are a competent principal. I said this yeah. is above you." And he just looked at me and shrugged. Huh? So I told him that was December. I said, I'm going to go to the next school board meeting. I'm going to bring up what I'm seeing in school because I know you're not in charge of this. I said, I'm not mm-hmm. going over your head, but I'm going to go to your supervisors. Yeah. Something has changed in our school. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you've been told, I think, to let things slide. I said, mm-hmm. you don't have to say anything to me, but I'm going to go to the school board. So that was December 2011. I read a passionate speech to the school board. I'm like, I'm little, I'm concerned as a black man. My students are seeing behaviors that are not um, being enforced. We're going We went from no tolerance to no consequences overnight. Mm. Overnight. Overnight. Oh, man, yeah.
1: and it was the same. Was it the same principle, or was there a change in principle? Same principle. Same principle. So then you know something yep, happened. Same
2: principle. Yeah. So as I speak at the school board in December 2011, I remember there were sporadic claps for a two-minute speech, and I remember looking in the audience and I saw an assistant superintendent who was in charge of my principal and in charge of our school, okay. and she was not happy. Mm-hmm. She was not happy. I didn't care. Right. Mm-hmm. I told my principal, because he did tell me, he goes, if you speak, um, Sharon Freeman might be upset. I said, this is beyond Sharon Freeman. Right. I said, we are both black men. We know how hard it is in this country. Mm-hmm. I said, we are now not going to hold our black kids accountable just because they're black?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I said, we are setting our kids with to fail. That, yes. that was my theme from 2011. Wow. And I would I would say it every day. This is illegal, first of all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's wrong, and you are setting kids up to fail. Mm-hmm. So I do my speech, 2011. Someone from the Star, Tribute, Star Tribune is in mm-hmm. the audience. Okay. They do a story on me in 2012, a couple mm-hmm. of months mm-hmm. later, for Black History Month. And the article is poorly written. Poorly written. It's basically says teacher complains about violence of black kids. No, I addressed the <laughs> school board. I was, I, I remember saying it breaks my heart. Mm-hmm. And I remember mm-hmm. I paused. I said, it breaks my heart to see kids who look like me allowed to behave so poorly in our schools. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I walked off uh, the little uh, podium, mm-hmm. I knew this was going to be a big deal. Mm-hmm. And I knew the Holy Spirit was guiding me, but I knew... I knew I had to do it. Yeah. Right. I was like, this is wrong on so many levels. So I didn't know there was going to be an article about me. But I knew I knew I, I uncovered something that was really important. Mm-hmm. Right. You but sense it.
0: Let me just interject yeah. this too. You, know, you. You've mentioned a couple of times you know, how your heart was broken. I mean, it sounds like the kids you know, that are in your class, they adored you, they loved you, mm-hmm. they were well behaved. I mean, what did this communicate to them? I mean, how did they respond and react to the fact that this was a student that was just
2: returned after 10 minutes, 15 yeah. minutes? Great question, Mark. I can remember my students saying this. This is not right. They were shocked because you're right. They were in awe of me. I was blessed. I was fortunate. I was privileged to be a teacher in St. Paul Public Schools. The teachers I worked with, a lot of white female teachers, were fabulous. I learned a lot from them. And I bring up their race because the new narrative in this country is white teachers, female teachers especially, they they don't understand kids. Mm -hmm. Now the teachers I worked with Mm -hmm. for the past 21 years. Mm -hmm. So the student is returned. And what people don't realize is that I had a community in my classroom. We had an agreement. Once you crossed the threshold in our classroom, it was you had safety, we had fun and you learned. We didn't care what happened out in the halls, even though we heard a lot in the halls. And we knew if you put a if you put your hands on one another there, were, there would be consequences. We're not talking about incarceration. We don't want a serious suspension. But they knew if you touched their teacher who they beloved, or who they loved, mm-hmm. excuse me, right. that student should have been suspended. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. We had a class discussion with the boy who punched me outside. And he was in tears, and he apologized. I'm like, I'm not mad at you. What was concerning is that the boy's parent was never called. I found this out three months later during parent-teacher conferences. I told his mother what happened. Mm -hmm. She was shocked.
1: She had no idea. No idea at all. She goes, no one called me? I go, no. I said,
2: said, the principal should have called you. I said, but I I knew that probably happened. She Mm -hmm. goes, and I remember that conversation. She said, my son's father, he and I are now divorced. He lives in Houston, and he is a gang member. And I'm trying my hardest, Mr. Benner, to make sure my son doesn't Mm -hmm. go that route. And for him to hit you, he was not raised that way. And I told her, I said, your son apologized. He punched me out of frustration. I said, but I'm more upset with the administration in the direction of St. Paul Public Schools. Yeah. Yeah.
1: because you knew. Once again, I want to remind our listeners that this was not a change in principle. I think that's such a key piece of information. Not at all. And it sounds like he also was an African American. Yes, um, the principal of your school, and so you knew his heart. You knew he didn't want to um, not not respond, but that his hands were tied. You yes. sensed that his hands were tied.
2: Not only were his hands tied. We then learn, we, my lawyer and I, discovered during this time period, principals in St. Paul were receiving bonuses if they kept the suspension numbers of African American boys down.
1: Oh, out. of course. Mm-hmm. Follow the money a little Follow bit. The huh? money <laughs> <up>. <laughs> Can you share with us to um, Erin, what how the school board itself reacted to you when you did address them over your concerns? You were saying that there was somebody in the in the audience that was a Star Tribune, you know, member and they wrote an article, but how did the how did the school board itself respond to you?
2: No response whatsoever.
1: Really? Mm-hmm. No
2: response. I remember looking out, looking at the board members, and like I said, they were sporadic clapping. But no one emailed me. No one thanked me.
1: Really? Wow. Nothing. So whatever your principal knew... Evidently, the school school board members also knew. They knew. They knew, yes. (laughs) Yes, that there was something much bigger going on. on. And they knew that if they gave you too much compassion or gave you the listening ear, that they would just be opening up the floodgates. Yes, and I know Mm -hmm. St.
2: Paul Public Schools likes to tell people they officially introduced PEG in 2013. I would say. It probably started in 2011 mm-hmm. from There was the probably yep.
1: some quiet conversations yes. happening at the upper levels. Yes. And then that's, that trickled down then into the principals, mm-hmm. and then it went public yes. after that two years later. Two years later. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Wow.
0: Well, you were listening to Education Nation here on AM 1280 The Patriots. In studio today is Aaron Benner, a former St. Paul public school teacher, and he's here discussing with us the racial equity discipline fallout in the district over the course of much of this decade mm-hmm. and uh, fascinating uh, discussion that we're having here. We want to fast forward a little bit from 2011 to 2014, again, you addressed the school board. It was on May 20th of that year, and this time you were teaching fourth grade at uh, John A. Johnson uh, Elementary School. That's correct. And it sounds like that these issues were becoming a problem throughout the district now. And if so, how did the school board respond to your concerns this time?
2: Great question. Now, I have to go back just a little bit. Sure. Mm-hmm. So I addressed the school board with four other teachers in May of 2014. Okay. But something serious, ha- serious happened in, I believe, October of 2013. Okay. The Pioneer Press wrote a glowing article on how great St. Paul Public Schools was doing with the Pacific Educational Group and how mm. they were interacting mm. with St. Paul. I wrote an editorial the next day called The Elephant in the Room. Mm. The editorial basically said, as a black teacher in St. Paul Public Schools, the story was f- uh, filled with fabrications our students are not learning from pacific educational group i said if you would if you really want to close the gap why don't we ask our successful black parents in the district which we have many mm-hmm. and i said it doesn't take a million dollar consulting firm or rocket science <laughs> to figure out yeah. how to close the achievement gap
1: so plain spoken yeah. and, yes. and 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 obvious common yes. sense right yes.
2: <laughs> that was october 3rd october of 2013 that editorial sp- uh, spurred, uh, spurned, I believe, a lot of other editorials. And the Pioneer Press actually, I think, B- Bob Sansevier? I know, I, have, I can't think. There is a famous writer. I can't think of his name. He wrote an article on my editorial. Okay. The elephant in the room that I wrote was actually featured for the end of the year story in the Pioneer Press. Mm-hmm. I know I'm going on, but this is very Excellent. important. That editorial had so many people in Minnesota talking. And I, the Pioneer Press uh, contacted me and said I was the first person in the history of the Pioneer Press to ever have a story written about an editorial. Hmm. Okay, so you had all this attention on the Pioneer on the St. Paul Public Schools. Mm-hmm. So this is building, and I'm hearing rumors that headquarters is mad at me. Like I don't care; it's the truth, right? Mm-hmm. You know. So now that was October. Now we're in uh, 2014 May. We tell the school board we're going to come. The five teachers. We're like we're going to just talk about your racial equity. We're not anti-racial equity, but the way you're implementing it is illegal. Mm-hmm. So it's five teachers this time. Five it's not teachers. just one. Okay. Mm-hmm. Just not just mm-hmm. me. It's okay. just, uh, f- f- me and four more, yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. The school district, the school board tells Valera Silva. She then gets on her emails. She phones people. They get buses. They bus people into that school board meeting to speak oh, against us. Goodness.
1: Oh, wow. Are you kidding?
2: Now, this is when the Holy Spirit really kicks in. Mm-hmm. I walk into the school board meeting, and it's packed, and they have people. And I heard that all the supporters of the racial equity were going to wear purple. So I, mm-hmm. I go out to the Macy's and get a purple tie and a purple shirt.
1: Ah, uh, good for mm-hmm. you. I'm not against racial equity. It. Of course you're not. I'm not. I'm just – yes. uh,
2: so it's packed, and they have their supporters. I'm just thinking, this is so wrong on so many levels. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to lie. I thought about leaving. I was intimidated, and I'm sitting mm-hmm. there, and I'm like, I got to do this. I'm like, Lord, give me the strength because I know what I'm going to say is right. Mm -hmm. gave me the strength and I I don't leave if I leave who knows Mm -hmm. what happens Mm -hmm. so I get the courage and I speak and I just say you know what Dr. King said we should judge people by the content of their character not the color of their skin I said now St. Paul Public Schools we are now judging students by the color of their skin and not by the content of their character yes Mm yes and I knew that was going to be in the paper the next day Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it was Mm -hmm. so Mm A lot of attention on that school board meeting, and they had their support. Like I said, they bust in people, and mm-hmm. I made it clear I'm not anti. No one's against racial equity. No, you right. Know, but the way right. they they the, the way they package it, right. But the way they they do it, it's wrong.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So that's and it's make, harmful. It's, it's not just it's,
1: wrong; it's harmful.
2: Extremely harmful. Yeah,
1: as you said, it sets the kids up for failure rather than success. Yes.
2: Then I finally learned that there's money behind this. I, I didn't know there's money. So St. Paul School District. Was the highest paying of any school district in the nation for PEG. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So then we're finding out we have a lot of principals in St. Paul, and no one knows till this day they're being they're being paid as a principal or an administrator, but they're also getting paid by PEG dollars, which which is tax dollars. Hmm. Right. Till this day, no one knows how PEG even came to be to St. Paul. There was like a no bid, no
1: really? bid contract.
2: Hmm. So it's it's when I say follow the money, I mean that. It just it's so there are people who. I think, sold their souls out to PEG. Yeah. Hmm. There are good African-American teachers who know it's wrong to have a different set of standards for school. But if they're making 130000 or a high salary and your supervisor says you got to close the gap and you don't have the courage to do so, you're going to just... Fall you know, in ...status quo, yeah. fall in line. Mm-hmm. And that's what I discussed. So that's May of 2014. That gets a lot of media attention. June of 2014... Valeria Silva, the superintendent, she contacts me and the other four teachers. She wants to have like a uh, a meeting, and she wants to offer us um, a chance to come to Solutions in Action. It's some sort of uh, meeting during the summer, hmm. and it's all of her all of her people, and I would say all of her minions, mm-hmm. and they're talking about the achievement gap and how white teachers biases, blah blah. And I just raised my hand. I said, "Can anybody in here explain to me the anatomy of a suspension?" I said, "Because teachers do not suspend." and it gets real quiet. I said, yes, we write referrals. That goes to an administrator. The administrator then signs off if it's in suspension or not. But you administrators have been told by the superintendent school board that you want to keep your referrals low, but you didn't convey that to teachers. So if we see an assault and we write, up, write it up and give it to an administrator, well, the administrator's is thinking, i got to keep my numbers low. So then the administrator must develop some sort of tactics. So here's a tactic. Well, Aaron, I, okay, you witnessed the assault, but did you trigger did you say anything to upset that student? Mm. I would say no i didn't uh, I didn't trigger anything for that young black male to touch that uh young girl sexually. nope mm. I'm like, this is what the route That's you ridiculous. guys are going yeah. it, it, um, I saw several sexual assaults, and I was told, have you ever taught good touch, bad touch? I'm like, you know what you guys are gonna get a lawsuit really quickly, not for me from a parent. Mm-hmm. I said this is ridiculous, And I said, and we all know you're trying to close your numbers, and at this point in two thousand and fifteen we know. They're trying to close their numbers, and it's just ridiculous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I applaud you for magnifying the crime in that situation, right. bringing it back in right. so that they could see it, it firsthand and yes.
0: to hear it from your mouth they're as well. They're covering
1: up a crime. Yes. Yeah,
0: and that, and that leads us really into our, our next question, too. You know, you were noticing behaviors that were far worse than what had been communicated to the board starting in 2011. I mean, what types of behaviors were you seeing on a daily basis at this particular elementary school?
2: I tell people all the time I can teach in any school district in any school district in the United States and I don't mean that bragging. Yeah. What I've been through in the past umpteen years in St. Paul. All of us, all of us teachers, we we've, we've we've been able to deal with chaos. Not only teachers, your students. Mm-hmm. So what I what I would see on a daily basis. First of all, what you would hear. You close your classroom, you're teaching, you hear chaos in the halls. Mm-hmm. You have kids who are traumatized and they're allowed to run around and act up. Now, here's here's something that people don't realize in St. Paul Public Schools. PEG convinced St. Paul Public Schools to hire behavior uh, behavior coaches. And these behavior coaches would take, let's say, a challenging student, and they would just walk around the school for 15 minutes, or, or get this, they were allowed to play basketball. Mm. So my good students are like, why is that child playing basketball with Mr. Jones? I would love to play basketball. Yeah. They're like, so they're starting to realize, if I want to play basketball all day, and I just need to. Call the teacher the F word or throw a chair at him or her. Right. You know, rewarding the kids, bad behavior. Yeah, yes. we, yeah we, we were rewarding bad behavior, and that was all part of Pacific Educational Group. Yes. The behaviors I would see, you're teaching a your class, and somebody from another classroom would just come in and disrupt it. Going to lunch, walking, my kids love to be in line. We would go from tallest, shortest to tallest, or shortest, tallest to shortest. We would do these creative things to walk in halls. What my students would see on a daily basis, no students should see. The um, cussing out of teachers from a kindergarten all the way up to sixth grade. Oh, my gosh. Physical assaults. Oof. Parents coming in threatening staff. Um Lockdowns of maybe shootings. And I'm always amazed the resiliency of some of our st- children. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking to myself, this is not normal. And the kids would do well. So I'm thinking, if kids are doing well in this environment, I wonder how much better they could do if they didn't have this chaos. Wow. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So. Daily, you would have someone from a different classroom just walk in, being chased by a security guard or the principal himself, and they'd walk in and just take a laptop and throw it and laugh and walk out. Oh. Wow. My students got to the point when we were doing algebra every day that whenever the door opened, they would freak out and they would tell me, like, Mr. Ben, every time that door opens, like, I, go, I understand, I'm sorry. But I would tell them, go home and tell your parents what, what you see and yes. what you experience. Yes. Right. And the parents would come to school and the parents would talk to principals. And I remember some principals would tell the parents, if you don't like it, choose another school district, Really, straight to their faces. And I had several of those parents that were going to be witnesses to uh, talk about that in my lawsuit. Mm. Well, and that goes to what former Governor Dayton used to say, too. You
0: know, it's if you don't like it here in Minnesota, you can move out, yeah. you know. Yeah, and, and with and the I think taxes, you mean. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think what's important to notice here, too, we, think, we see the impact. We hear the impact on the children that are in the school. And you think about these pieces of equipment, too, that are funded by public tax-paying dollars are being destroyed. So it affects those outside of the school mm-hmm. whose tax dollars are going to pay for these instruments that's, that can be used in the classroom. It's just yes.
1: complete irresponsibility yep. on the part of the adults in the whole situation. I totally agree. Um, the growing consistency of these behavioral disruptions, were starting to take a toll on student learning. Um, you just kind of shared a little bit about why. Can you share with our listeners the results that you were starting to see when it came to test scores and proficiencies in reading, math, and science?
2: So when I transferred to John A. Johnson Elementary in 2013, I was there for two years. The behaviors were something you would see from a a movie. Just Mm -hmm. think of any movie you've seen on uh, inner city schools. That's what I was experiencing at John A. Johnson Mm -hmm. on a daily basis. My students were phenomenal, very diverse uh, student population, but we all agreed that we would be safe. That was my number one job, not teaching, keep these kids safe. Oh, my
1: goodness.
2: I was on board with my parents. My parents knew what was going on. We were on a really uh, tough side of uh, East St. Paul. But the behaviors we would witness in the lunchroom, the behaviors we would see from other classrooms, the behaviors we would see on the playground, just it was became common. Um and I knew the test scores, and I'm thinking I've been in public schools for a while. Usually the test scores are 30%, 40%, and you would get some sort of spin from the district um, office saying, we're going to do better. I told myself, this is the worst school I've ever been in. I have to see the test scores at the end of the year. Yeah. In 2015, the test scores for science, no, science, math, and reading were in the teens.
1: Oh, that's wow. that's, that's an abomination. Yes, it is. It really is. is.
2: In the teens.
1: These kids, these poor kids.
2: And I'm thinking to myself, PEG is going to blame all the white teachers for this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, no, not at all. And that's, and that's when I start getting the courage like, no, this this is wrong on so many levels. 12% for reading proficiency, 15% for math. Mm-hmm. Wow. And I'm thinking, clean house. <laughs> right. yeah. Get rid of the whole staff, <laughs> me included. Yeah, yeah. And bring in some, but St. Paul, they don't care. You know, but we're, we're going to have this P- Pacific Educational Group, and these test scores are low because these white teachers don't understand black kids. Really? How about the Hmong kids? How about the new immigrants of the Korean? See, mm-hmm. PEG always talk black, white, and that. And I always tell people, I'm like, I'm all for equity. But do you know the largest gap between suspensions is actually between blacks and Asians?
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Actually, I never bring that up.
2: Never. And you know what? White students get suspended more than Asian kids. Can't mm-hmm. talk about that. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I would be in staff meetings, I would try to bring this up, and they would try to shush me. am like, no, no, I'm a veteran teacher. If you're going to talk about gaps, make sure we're talking about all factors. And mm-hmm. that's the longer I was in it, I start seeing there was an agenda, and it was a agenda that was very, very detrimental to black kids.
1: Yes. Yeah, yeah absolutely. You know what, Erin? We are winding down already on this show, and we have more that we're going to talk about next week. But... Um, maybe you can just very, very briefly let us know um, how they were di- diligently, how you di- diligently collected data on the behaviors, um, and that you were completing behavior referrals, um, but that the actions that followed led you to believe that the disruptive students were not being disciplined consistently and very be, quickly. Uh, really quickly. Yeah. So
2: when I first started collecting data, we would get something on a triPLICATE. You would do a referral. Mm-hmm. You would keep one. One would go home and one would go to the uh, district office. Years later, St. Paul changed that. It was no longer a triplicate. You just had one sheet. You give it to your principal, and you would trust he or she would put it in something called a Swiss data bank. I kept keeping my own data and realized when I asked for my official data, a lot of data was not even collected.
1: Unbelievable.
2: And I'm ta- I'm not talking about somebody rolling their eyes or mm-hmm. walking. I'm talking about violence. So when I hear uh, Superintendent Silva, when she says we're going to get rid of subjective behavior, um, willful defiance. I'm like, okay, I don't agree with you, but how about all out violence? So, and that would be, you would collect it, but it would disappear.
1: Unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, <clears throat> eliminating the evidence. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, listen, Erin, we are so glad to have had you on the show today, and we look forward to again having you in the studio next week, and we will continue this conversation. Regarding the racial equity practices of St. Paul Public Schools and how that affected you personally and all of the students that you taught. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. And thank, thank you, for thank having you Mark. Me on the show. Thank you. Mark. And we yeah. will see our, or we'll in, uh, encourage our listeners to listen to this podcast and other podcasts uh, for Education Nation at ednationmn.org. See you next week.